0: You know, there are plenty of writers and media folks out there that I idolize. But one of the guys I look up to most is a guy named Blake Hester, a writer most seen on Polygon, but also a former intern over at Game Informer magazine, just like me. I've always been captivated by his features writing where he's explored the history of Red Dead, Crash Bandicoot, Sonic, and even interviewed Jeff friggin' Keeley for like six months about the Game Awards. (laughs) I really admire him as a person with a lot of strength and, well, chill, and even more so after this conversation. About 32 weeks ago, Blake announced that he had cancer. His treatment happened, and I happened to hang out with him for an afternoon in San Francisco around October 2018, and then a few months after that, he checked himself into rehab for his alcoholism, where halfway through, he was informed that, on top of all that other stuff, his cancer had come back. On this week's episode, we discuss his journey through treatment, recognizing his illness, and how he's kept pushing forward with his work despite the weight of it all. And if you know anything about Blake Hester, let me assure you, it is a very Blake kind of discussion. I think a lot of people, whether they've worked in art or technology or any mix of the two, know what it's like to precariously balance your health, your happiness, your finances, and your career, especially if life throws you a curveball, or three. Like any episode of the 1099, it's my hope that you get something meaningful out of this, but this episode may be more than any other I've recorded thus far. If you struggle with illness and its effects on your life or career in any way, please know that you are not alone, and that there are resources that can help you, some of which I've linked to in the show description on SoundCloud. Of course, if discussion of these sensitive topics might cause you emotional or mental distress, please exercise caution. You fans of the 1099 are slowly becoming more and more like family to me, and the last thing we need is for you to be in a worse place. So yeah, as always, thank you for listening, and thank you for all the kind words you folks have sent the past few weeks. It's kept me going too. Here's the show. and gentlemen you know him as a features writer for Polygon and a reporter for Variety a former intern at Game Informer just like me and one of the very few people I trust to take me to random dive bars in San Francisco it's Blake Hester everybody how are you doing today man
1: uh good I don't go to dive bars anymore which is probably going to be the most shocking thing you've ever heard in your life
0: shit wow
1: high tide is now on my list of places I'm no longer allowed to go
0: literally allowed to go or just self-imposed self-imposed for okay, sure okay. yeah
1: i think i'm I, they would welcome me or they would have me back in open arms but uh
0: that I, uh that little old asian lady manning the counter seemed to like it. <laughs> and she didn't mind that we were playing like tesseract and meshuggah and you know everything on I, her I, jukebox
1: i went back several months later after that gdc and that lady definitely did not remember me oh which, <laughs> completely and utterly makes sense but part of me was like she's gonna know who i am and seven months later this is gonna be like a family reunion and she had no clue who i was and didn't even like acknowledge my existence
0: i i think yeah i think you and probably leif johnson are two of the only people i would Mm. trust to kind of drag me around a city like that and uh uh of course at at this year's gdc uh, we had our uh, second annual Game Informer, ex-Game Informer intern dinner, and uh, we went to a swanky ramen place and toasted to your health. And <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah. that, that's what we're here to talk about today. I've done an intro for the show by the time anyone's hearing this, so they've gotten all the, the warnings they might need out of the way. Mm-hmm. But uh, today we're going to be talking about a a relatively difficult topic uh, your experience with uh, being diagnosed with cancer, not once, but also twice. Wait, what? Uh, I have what? <laughs> this is news to me.
1: I'm just kidding. Yes, I have cancer. <laughs> I've been waiting you. for that joke all day. Yeah.
0: Oh, God, <laughs> really you're, you're turning into it. a
1: dad. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 25. Shit, you're younger than me, too, just by <laughs> a hair, though. Uh, <laughs> it's something neither of us have now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, oh, damn! I was gl- I was glad you made that joke because I was like, if I make that joke, I am going to get crucified on Twitter. Uh, but it's okay. So I I looked this up and it's thirty two weeks ago uh, according to your actual first Instagram post. Uh, thirty two weeks ago, you announced that you had cancer for the first time. Yes, and I remember. I remember, of course, there were the customary, you know, uh, messages of, you know, well-wishing and, and sympathies from, you know, uh, most of the people that we've probably both interacted with in the games industry. Uh, I saw you in person the last time, uh, not at GDC, but actually at the uh, Metreon, like, food courts there. Yes. I think, was it January or was it earlier than that? In like
1: It was October.
0: It was October, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was one of my uh, a multitude of trips I would have I was having mm-hmm. to see Aiden uh, from time to time. And yeah, that was we got we got lunch later that day I think with uh Leif, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and I was I was real happy to see you. and mm-hmm. you know, we we basically just sat outside the Metreon for probably like an hour just chatting and uh and me like drinking a, a an anxiety coke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I I always love when I get to see you, and Thank I wanted to you know take this take this podcast to, to kind of be a, a moment to catch up as friends, but also a moment to kind sure. of reflect on you know the the journeys that we've shared and maybe that we've gone on <laughs> our own yeah. too. Sure, let's do it. I'm ready. So yeah, thir- 32 weeks ago, that's n- not even a year. And mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, like walk me through those first few days because from everything that you told me when we hung out. It was. It, it is always scary, but it seemed like it was a a relatively positive diagnosis that first time, and yes. things didn't go uh, terribly wrong for you in the end. There.
1: Yeah, so when I posted about it, which uh, I did that before I told my close friends and family, by the way, which I oh, learned wow. is a terrible way to have your friends and family <laughs> learn about <laughs> cancer. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I had actually known for a few weeks. So, it was testicular cancer. So, I discovered it while peeing one day um, through a lump that did not feel natural. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I just, it takes a lot of tests to figure that out. They kind of don't want to wrongly diagnose you with something like that. Um, but testicular has a 99% survival rate. So, at that point, I wasn't worried I understand the word cancer is very scary, uh, for obvious reasons, but Yeah. Um I I was if anything naive about it, um, when I heard ninety nine percent of people survive, I didn't actually understand that it would be extremely difficult, nevertheless. Uh but yeah, it was kinda wanted to put it out there because it was going to alter my work for a while because I was gonna be in surgery and it had a bit of a long recovery.
0: Um, what was the question? Just walk me through what, like, like you're doing, walk me through kind of those oh, yeah, first yeah. Uh, days and weeks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so uh, I just put it online. Do I mean, I don't, I don't even have a big social media footprint. I barely nah. use social media, but it was a way to just have it out there. Cause I knew people would figure out eventually and it's easier to just kind of drop the bomb and let <laughs> everyone know at once than to have it trickle in over time. Um, But yeah, so it's a lot of like urine tests and blood tests and scans. And finally, the doctor's like, yep, you have a tumor growing on your right testicle. You'll be in surgery next week. And that's what happened. And then I went to surgery and I got in trouble on the operating table. Oh,
0: God, please (laughs) tell me this. Uh,
1: So I had never had surgery before. I had never been put under. Um, The only when I got my wisdom teeth. Out, I made them keep me awake because I thought it would be cool to like ha- hear what that sounded like in my own yeah. head, which it was awesome. It's <laughs> like crazy cool. I did ask them to keep me awake during my uh, when they removed my testicle. I'll just that's what happened, uh, but they wouldn't do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I had never been put under before, and when they woke me up, it's like, have you ever been put under?
0: No, I haven't. When
1: you come out of it, it is bizarre. It's just like you don't know where you are. You People don't know say what's like going you
0: mumble on. the weirdest shit, right? Yeah.
1: It's like they put the thing on your face and then you can feel yourself getting tired. And then half a second later, it feels like you woke up. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know what was going on. So I just started like yelling on the operating table. <laughs> like, where the fuck am I? What the fuck? What is <laughs> happening? Who the fuck are you? And this nurse came over to me and she's like, we're about to wheel you into the recovery room where there are other patients. So we're going to need you to stop cussing. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I can't go anywhere. Including you just came was... out
0: from unconsciousness, like <laughs> yeah. deep, dark unconsciousness.
1: I I have quite the streak of getting in trouble in my life. And now I can add a surgery table to the uh, list of places I got in trouble at. Uh, but yeah, so that was basically what happened. And then, um, uh, I, uh, learned that surgery hurts really badly. Oh Um, man. Especially around
0: that, that region, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like right in the, the bladder area. Hope you put a lot of like gross warnings before this. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There'll, there'll be several.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like right in the bladder region and it was stapled shut and I had the great, great fortune of also having a lung infection at the same time, which, uh, coughing while you have staples in your <gasps> lower abdomen region is quite possibly the most painful thing i've ever gone through in my entire life but mm. then that was it and i thought it was over and it was not <laughs> so that it, was that was part one of my tale
0: it's funny you mentioned the like waking up a second later and and mm. freaking out understandably i i just like watched this compilation of uh clips of people like on those giant uh rubber band slingshot rides you see at carnivals and yeah. like if they're not tall enough they'll bop their head on the back of the seat Ooh. and like this entire compilation was just people falling unconscious <laughs> in the middle in the middle of this ride and then they wake up about two seconds later, uh almost almost exactly each one, and they're like they their brain has to take five seconds to realize <laughs> like, oh shit, I am a yeah. thousand feet in the air. Uh, (laughs) that's awesome so that reminded me i'm just like i'm just imagining you with big bug eyes uh swinging at a poor nurse (laughs)
1: yeah i was freaking the fuck out and then i remembered where i was and that i was one testicle fewer than
0: when i went in there yeah so that first time around seemed like overall like well, well what was the recovery like after the fact i suppose uh so it was
1: outpatient surgery so i got to go home that night oh wow um and I didn't take any of the pain medication I was prescribed because they were percocets, and you can edit this out if you want to. But because we're it- in the middle of an opioid crisis, I decided not to begin taking opioids. So the recovery process was actually extremely painful because I didn't take any of the pain <laughs> medication I was supposed <laughs> to go uh, I was supposed to take. Uh, I only took like Tylenol extra strength, which didn't really do anything. Um, but it was just a lot of like, laying around the house for a while yeah. uh spider-man came out right around that time so i played spider-man um i burned through it i didn't even like it that much i thought it was pretty mediocre it's but a, it's, it was, it's
0: a very okay game i think yeah it, 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 it's extremely pretty good i <laughs> pretty by okay. the 10th hour as they're still adding like what was it the taskmaster mm-hmm. things i'm just like
1: oh this is too yeah. much open
0: world yeah yeah
1: yeah um So a lot of that, and I don't remember. I think I got back to work, I want to say, relatively quickly. So it's like kind of ironic now, but my post-treatment options would have been a, quote, massive surgery where my lower lymph nodes were removed as a preventative measure, um, which we can talk about the lower lymph nodes in a second. They're real fun, Uh, (laughs) because testicular cancer typically spreads to the lower lymph nodes or like one round of chemotherapy and they would have reduced my chances of cancer coming back to only 10% but when all my blood work came back they said your chances of it coming back are only 15% so you don't have to do either of these things just come get a CT or CAT scan or whatever every four Mm. months so basically it was just like I hurt for a few weeks and then I got the staples taken out and it was behind me and that was b- pretty much it honestly um i it's weird. I forgot I had cancer at one point um uh, I was saw a f- oh, wow. I saw a friend out at a coffee shop, and she was like, "Hey, uh, what was that thing you posted on Instagram?" I was like, "I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I think I posted a picture <laughs> of my dog the other day, fucking crazy yeah I was yeah. like that's that's my dog. I post lots of pictures of him, and she was like she was like you, did you have cancer?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." Yeah, oh, yeah i did it's cool don't worry about it it was like i just lost a testicle but it was no big deal uh, but yeah that, that was that was the saga as i thought but
0: as as we thought yeah and then i i i was admittedly pretty shocked to see this is what um we're coming up on maybe two weeks or mm. two or three weeks ago you posted yes. uh that you had cancer again and tell me tell me again what kind of went through your head at that moment (laughs) okay i got a
1: plot twist for you something all right something you would only know about me if you were one of the very few people that listened to my podcast i had to go into um i didn't have to i admitted myself into uh rehab for alcohol abuse Uh so which could be a whole nother podcast we get into But I went to rehab to solve some issues that I think anyone who knew me may have been like, that dude (laughs) seems to drink a lot. So I went to rehab, and I was in rehab working on myself and working on my sobriety. And I got a call while I was locked in rehab, and that's actually how I found out I had cancer again, Uh, which is a hell of a way to learn.
0: A bit of a double whammy there at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'll say I'll say on the on the drinking ends, even though I knew you were uh, a fairly heavy drinker yes. uh like at at the, one of the one of the various nights we spent at uh, High Tide <laughs> in San Francisco there during GDC week uh, last year it, we we spilled some drink at some point along the way and you were like the most astute gentleman <laughs> ever like asking asking the little lady for a mop and like we cleaned it up and everything and I was like yeah the primo service from good old Blake Hester yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah I was a professional drinker for sure <laughs> uh yeah it's the worst <laughs> I don't think there's many good ways to learn you have cancer maybe like over pizza or something but uh sure yeah
0: go to a Chuck E. Cheese yeah and, and someone pops out of a
1: when game. you're in a uh rehab facilitate facility that you literally cannot leave well I guess you can leave if you really want to but you can't leave and come back I should say uh, mm-hmm. it's quite the way to learn i was not uh permitted to go see my family or friends or <laughs> anything uh but that's how i learned and uh basically doctor cuz the doctor couldn't get a hold of me they got a hold of my emergency contact which was just my mom and my mom mm. called the facility and that's how i learned about it and didn't really know a ton at that time because you know I couldn't get a hold of my doctor but from there is when i started going back to the doctor and learned the surgery i could have had to remove my lower lymph nodes so it wouldn't have spread uh it spread to <laughs> my lower lymph It nodes spread the
0: fucking course it did <laughs> i was gonna i, I like the entire time you were saying that happened yeah. i was like 15 15 is still a pretty fucking high yeah, chance. yeah
1: yeah yeah so uh that's where it spread and at that time the uh consensus was um or the consensus i guess that's not the right word the the plan of attack was that i was just gonna have the surgery i could have had you know last Mm -hmm. summer um and so i was like all right sounds good um there was no rush of anything at that time and then so i was able to like finish out um my rehabilitation program i was in there for a total of 23 days i believe um which is why if you wondered why i didn't post about my agent story not that people are checking my twitter very often that's why it took me a long time to post about that story (laughs) because i was in rehab um i was able to continue out my program there which was great and then out of nowhere the surgery was canceled and i was told like on a thursday i had to start three to four months of chemotherapy which mm-hmm. is i've been in for three weeks now
0: which yeah i was gonna say we we can't have been very far into yeah, it, yeah huh?
1: yeah so that's you can't unless there's someone watching the video feed that i don't know about you can't see i've lost all the hair i had on my face and head
0: it, yeah, it's worth mentioning. As as long as I've known yes. you, uh, professionally and personally, uh, you've been a, a very bearded <laughs> yes. uh, kind of enough hair to like peek out of a, a tall beanie uh-huh. hat. Yeah. And it, it was a little bit of a shock scene yeah? and, uh, yeah. you. And yeah, yeah, you look like an old high school friend or two. I used to. I have I look him. like
1: a naked mole rat.
0: <laughs> we don't have to sugarcoat it. I
1: shaved, <laughs> I shaved my beard off today because I was pulling chunks of it out. It was fucking vile. And I shaved, and I was like, I look like that fucking naked mole rat from Kim Possible.
0: <laughs> be, n- be nice to the naked mole rat whose name is Kim uh, We're three weeks or so into this, and... Yes where like has it has it impacted your work currently like you had you had posted about the agent story and that was a little while ago and um are you still kind of just at home taking it easy or are you still grinding for polygon and variety uh well i
1: haven't written for variety in probably if not over close to a year now um okay. yeah we split ways for a few different reasons Um uh, mm-hmm. nothing bad it just wasn't working out yeah. between us Um, And luckily, since I was contract, it was very easy to just kind of walk away from. But, uh, yeah, so I am back at work at full speed, whatever that means. Um, I basically hit the ground running as soon as I got out of rehab um, and started pitching again and not landing anything for for several weeks, which is just how it goes. Um, But so I kind of my schedule is kind of weird now. Um, So. One week, I'll be in chemo, Monday through Friday, for six hours a day. So, 30 hours total that week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Monday and Tuesday, I'm pretty good. Wednesday, I start to feel pretty bad. And then Thursday and Friday, I'm dead. Just like I go there and I lay in the bed for six hours and I'm passed out and nauseous and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But then that's followed by two weeks where I'm only there once a week for two hours. So those are like, that's where I'm back at work full time, you know, nine to five Mm -hmm. or nine to whatever, sometimes nine to 10, depending on how I feel that day. Um, (laughs) So it's, it's affected. Sure. But I mean, I'm still very early in the process, so I'm not exactly sure, you know, this coming Monday um, is when I start the next 30 hour week. So who knows how it'll affect me. Um, So since a lot of my work is very interview based and most of my weeks are spent interviewing people, um, that has it, that is affected, like knowing I can't schedule an interview for next week because I don't know how I'm going to feel when I'm out of the chair. Mm -hmm. Um, so that kind of sucks is like scheduling interviews two weeks out or, you know, praying someone will be okay with letting me call them on a weekend, but. Right now things aren't too affected I would say
0: yeah are they uh, are they like specifically giving you like immune system suppressant medication?
1: Uh, the only yeah you know so <clears throat> when I went through my first bout of cancer, I stopped listening to what doctors said to me because uh, uh-huh. I was at the doctor multiple times a week trying to get it like sorted out. I don't know what's okay. in the bags <laughs> that they're pumping me with. Uh, pumping is a weird way to say it the the, you know the ivs they're filtering into
0: you on an iv yeah yeah.
1: i i know i get a saline pump and i know i get something called bleomycin but there's like there's like three to four other things i get um the only thing i'm prescribed for home is anti-nausea medication but whenever they tell me what they're doing I'm just, I'm such, I'm so jaded by the doctors. Now my brain turns (laughs) off and I don't pay any attention. Like they could be like, all right, and now we're going to stick sulfuric acid into your body. I'd be like, sounds great, doc. Fuck me up. Let's go.
0: I found this, this jar of jam out in the parking lot. We're going to have some Mm -hmm. fun here.
1: I just, whenever I I get there, I pull my sleeve up so they can put the needle in me. And I'm like, all right, see you in six hours.
0: I, uh, I, I gotta wonder like, so the the whole getting tired thing and like not knowing how you're going to feel. So <clears throat> when I first started getting treatment uh, for my rheumatoid arthritis, which like made my legs swell up, it basically it felt like I had gravel inside like the right half of my body mm-hmm. and I couldn't get out of bed without help. And I couldn't get down a flight of stairs or up a flight of stairs, certainly without a lot of help. And walking was basically like i could maybe make it to the bathroom or something Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was like the for two months that was the worst of Mm -hmm. it and i've gotten better and i've had my medication but like we've had to experiment with the medication for a while because at first they had me on um methotrexate which is what they give cancer patients and that's why i asked and uh that's that's uh, like It's a different form of of immune suppressant stuff. They're giving a much smaller dose to me than what a actual cancer patient Mm. would probably get. But I remember very distinctly that I would take it like every Monday or Tuesday. I would literally inject my stomach with like a big vial of it. And for like almost immediately, my energy was shot. And then like the day after was... I, I couldn't do anything. Yeah. I, I just physically had no motivation and no energy to do a lot of things I wanted. And this was a time in my life where uh, I, I was just beginning to sort of I ditched my day job at Barnes and Noble and I was going full time freelance mm. and I didn't know what the medical bills were going to look like. Thankfully, I got super lucky and was told that like my like three thousand dollar initial medical bill just to get diagnosed, like was going to get mostly waived by the hospital for charity reasons or something. Mm. So uh tell me tell me a little bit more about like you're mostly known as like a features writer. Mm-hmm. So like you take your time with stories yes. and you you put out something really big that like is meant to exist out there for a while. Mm-hmm. And these days I've been uh, a bit to my frustration more of a news writer, so I've had to kind of be there every day and present mm-hmm. and and focused a bit more. Uh, did it, did it impact your ability to kind of like work and coordinate in any way? Were you, were you feeling less confident in your work at all?
1: Um, no, not yet. Um, no, again, I mean, it's hard to say what next week will be like, you know? Um, I know by the time I hit Thursday, it's going to be a wreck. Like I'm going to be nauseous and sleeping and eating is going to hurt literally. Um, no, I mean, so I look at my work in or I look at pieces in kind of different stages. There's what I call the email stage, and then there's yeah. the like interview stage, and then there's the writing stage. So for the assignments I have currently, they're all in the email stage. So you know, it's a lot of waking up and just sending emails, which, truth be told, you know, is not very mentally taxing, uh, especially no. if you're me where I write one email. And then copy it and then just change the name it's addressed to. (laughs) Um, I'm a big, big fan of that and have fucked that up more than a few times. Um, uh, But anyway, so that's, I mean, that's not affected, but like, I have no drive to currently write, I guess. So maybe that's affected. But I'm also just not in a stage where I am writing anything active. Where you have to. Yeah. Uh, But even something like transcribing, which is pretty. A pretty big part of my specific job or whatever, um, I haven't been doing that just because it sounds exhausting. It sounds like, especially, you know, after six hours of drugs being pumped through my body, like something like uh, a transcription sounds like a nightmare. So I even in good health. It's <laughs> <yeah. a> nightmare. <laughs> so like now that I think about it, maybe subconsciously I, it is being affected, <laughs> but I'm also like, not in the period or not in the stage on any of my projects where i need to be actively writing anything i'm kind of in the searching and maybe like reporting phase of the of whatever however many pieces i'm working on
0: i uh i i suppose i should ask like i i wrote this piece for pc gamer a while back that uh was like initially in one of their little indie mini zines and then just got posted to the Mm -hmm. site i think this was either uh, it couldn't have been late twenty seven Actually, it was late 2017 because it was right around Christmas time uh, that I was playing Stardew Valley. Uh, playing Stardew Valley and being able to, like, walk around town and, like, have a daily schedule that I could kind of adhere to. Like, got to get up, got to feed the cows, got to go to town, got to fish, got to do all these things and meet <clears throat> these short-term and long-term goals. Did you – have you had to rely on anything to kind of keep your mind focused? Hmm be it games or otherwise
1: interesting question i liked i thought you were going to ask me a different question for some reason
0: what you think i was going to ask about
1: schedules (laughs) i don't know why uh which i have a very rigid schedule now Uh, rehab taught me to wake up at 8 a.m and make my bed (laughs) make well that's good (laughs) make my bed every morning now um no not it's a much more forceful mother yeah i uh i i thought i would need it i i not to keep my mind focused, to take my mind off of things. I think, mm-hmm. um, because that was a big help when I was uh, going through my first recovery from my first um, bout with cancer. Was having something like Spider Man, which re- really asks very little of its players, um, narratively and you know, design wise, mechanically. Yeah, that yeah. was the word I was looking for, mechanically. So it was really, it was really good to have something like that. So, of course, when I went th- I started going through this, I thought I needed something similar, so I downloaded Sekira Shadows Die Twice. <laughs>
0: well, th- I I uh I'm about to reach the top of Ashina Castle and I feel like I'm getting sick playing that. Game.
1: I uh, I played it for about 20 minutes and have no desire to ever play it again. It was one it was a dumb dumb way to waste $60. Um so no, right now, I mean, like work I guess is my what I used to focus and keep myself active. Um, yeah, I for a while, and this is like kind of in the weeds, but my addiction had gotten so bad that I had kind of thrown away my job for a while. Um, I was doing the bare mm-hmm. minimum I needed to finish out what I had and I was basically just gonna stop um, and who knows what probably be in the service industry or something forever. Um, so when I got sober, Uh, and when I was in rehab, that was pretty much all I had to look forward to was getting back out Mm -hmm. and writing again. So any day I am up and active, which like, I'm very lucky. I have those two weeks built in where I'm only there once a week. Mm -hmm. Um, I found, I do love what I do. I'm very lucky to do what I do. I think game journalism is the dumbest job ever and it's kind of fake but it's cool that people get to do it um i that's what keeps me i guess that's what motivates me to get up these days because mm-hmm. i mean even on the good weeks it sucks <laughs> you know my i'm pulling my hair out and it's gross and i'm nauseous but like getting up and being able to look at my computer and be like okay i have all these goals i want to hit today and things i want to do that has kept me I don't think "focused" is the right word, but motivated to actually get out of bed. Also, I restarted playing Max Payne three, and that's been awesome.
0: Uh, weird choice, no, but great
1: game. Fucking awesome game. Great game. So good. Great game. It's, yeah. it's also a game about getting sober. That was unintentional on my part. I I'd played the game. <laughs> I've played it and beat it, but I forgot he gets sober in it.
0: I I all I remember is like shooting out in a soccer stadium oh, for some reason. That level
1: and... one of the worst. Easily yeah. one of the worst because that fucking sniper okay. man. Oh, it drives me crazy. Oh, that's right. Here's a yeah. sniper.
0: So, um, and you raised a really interesting point talking about using work as a as either like a motivator mm-hmm. or a, a, a kind of like a, a focus point to you know, help you keep going. And I've done the same thing too, where almost to a detriment, I would say I've I've had weeks and months where I've wanted to fall back into work so bad yeah. that. You know, I uh, my partner Aiden having to tell me like, hey, you you need to stop at like seven o'clock or like absolutely stop at nine o'clock, because if you work yourself raw, there is there's going to be nothing of you left at the end of this project. And I, I have really struggled with burnouts mm-hmm. in a lot of senses, both like creatively artistically and just making sure I get up at a good time and can report to my, my like daily dot boss mm. uh, and, and say like, Hey, I'm, I'm ready. I'm in a good place to work. So uh, have, have you ever had to worry about like using work as a crutch too much and like not mm. making enough time for yourself? Like personally? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, I, I used to be worse about this. I'm getting better. Um, where I, put too much self-worth into my job, I think. You know, I, def- yeah. I define myself too much by my job. And uh, without getting into the specific details of it, I was called out by a lot of people, not in a bad way, called out in a good way, in a loving way, when I was doing my agent piece. It consumed me in a way that was physically and mentally unhealthy. Um and i got i i got some really tough love from some people who i won't name but i guess if they listen maybe they'll remember um so yeah i i definitely it's something i'm working on but also i burn out like once a year it's like my annual burnout comes around december
0: <laughs> what did you uh what did you like learn from those people those friends or loved ones kind of calling you out
1: uh I, I i that i don't have hobbies I couldn't, if you you asked me to name my hobbies, I wouldn't know, especially then because I drank so much. I'd be like, I Mm -hmm. I don't know. I drink. What is, what are your hobbies? (laughs) You telling me you don't drink 16 (laughs) drinks every night. I thought that was what people did. Um, Mm -hmm. That one, when I actually, someone was like, someone was like, Blake, you don't have hobbies. And I was like, sure I do. And then I was like, wait, no, I don't. I don't even play video games anymore. So, um. That was really eye-opening to me, realizing, you know, I, work-life balance is a thing not just game developers need. That sounded really fucked up. Uh, that, you know, people in <laughs> – well, I mean, we're technically in a tech industry, you know, or a tech – We are. Per, we're, like, peripheral to the tech industry, um, and everyone in tech needs a work-life balance. Um, so finding things to do, especially once I got sober, like, the books are cool. I forgot that I could read books are awesome. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm yeah. reading the beastie boys book right now. It's so sick. Okay. It's so sick. Um, so yeah, just like when someone finally pointed out, they're like, what do you do? I was like, I wake up, I work, I drink, I go to bed. They're like, that's not a life. <laughs> like That is no life. <laughs> like you're actively killing yourself. And I was like, sure. Okay. I'm going to do it for seven more months, but then I'm going to fix myself. Um, <laughs> so it's just kind of like realizing that, some i'm a i'm a very hard-headed person um and it sometimes takes people spelling it out for me so when someone was like your life is you have nothing in life but these two things you should probably Mm -hmm. get on that uh that kind of started me on my path to getting better in a few ways
0: and I'm sure those people who, you know, you're not naming, like, I'm sure that they know you a lot more intrinsically than I do, uh, just cause I I've only ever gotten to hang out with you two or three times. Yeah. yeah. Three times at this rate. And, you know, I, I, I'm glad that you have those people in your life and that they won't bullshit you. Yeah. Um, and I, and that's hopefully what, you know, my friendship has brought to you yes. in, in yes. some sense, at least, at least, at least being nice. And you've always, <laughs> you've always struck me as, I wouldn't call you like a hard headed person, although maybe that's maybe that's my ignorance talking. <laughs> sure. But you've you've always been someone who to me I I call myself like vacation dad mm-hmm. all the time because I feel a little too rigid at times and like I need to have a schedule and I need to have a, a bit of familiarity in my life yeah. and uh, having having people like you or like my partner around to throw a wrench into that sometimes, be it high tide or just something else, <laughs> yeah. uh, has, has been really valuable, I think, Thank you. uh, you know, I, I, didn't expect to talk about this during the podcast, uh, but w- do you, would you mind talking about the alcoholism? Sure. Yeah. I don't care. Where, where did that really start? Uh,
1: my alcoholism, probably, I would assume, from the first time I ever drank when I was, like, 14. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, oh, 10, 11 years ago. Um. Yeah, the first time I remember noticing... I've been thinking about this a lot, because I was in rehab, where they make you think, it about, think about it a lot. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, I was like, when did I, like... Because I've always, like, partied. Like, I grew up in music scenes and like metalcore and hardcore scenes sure and you know it i guess ignored the positive parts of that where people were straight edge and live substance free (laughs) lifestyles um in idolized bands like every time i die and metallica and shit like that so um i was always like a partier in high school like definitely i never got super into like the drug scene like uh it was always alcohol for me like I didn't really even smoke weed and only accidentally hard did hard drugs. <laughs> but um, I'm going to just drop that and let people wonder <laughs> what that
0: means. Uh, <laughs> can, I, can I follow up on that question, audience? I don't know. Uh,
1: if you want to hear the story, go look up Game Query's April 15th podcast, the 420 special, where I tell the story where I accidentally did cocaine.
0: that 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 that, uh that cross coordination (laughs) between podcasts there
1: we go um yeah but once i graduated high school is when i remember the drinking became what i would categorize as heavy and i i think it was specifically when i the first month i graduated high school so when i was 18 i went on this like shitty dinky tour with my band and two other bands but like We were all 18 and one of us was like 15. Um, But we were on tours with dudes who were at the very least over 21. Yeah. And there very much can be a culture of partying and touring and just music in general. So we drank a ton and I think it just became part of my life from there. I remember my first job was at an art gallery so we would have shows and of course there would be lots of alcohol and bottles of wine and liquor and when those shows would end I would work the next week usually late into the night and I would leave and steal bottles of alcohol and drink them at home alone at like 18 and I was like who the fuck does that that's crazy like, <laughs> um, you know like drinking till I was throwing up at like 18 no one around me um and then it just like I don't know I was like a heavy partier then and then once I hit 21 and the very... Also, by the way, I was fired from that art gallery job. Uh, once the... uh, Once I hit 21 and the barrier, the tiny barrier of buying alcohol was gone where I could buy it mm-hmm. myself, I pretty much... I'm 25 now, but I had my birthday in rehab. So for three to four years, I pretty much drank almost every day um and... I don't want to do the math on that uh, very heavily um, with like brief attempts at sobriety actually right after GDC 2018, mm-hmm. I had like two or three weeks of sobriety until the
0: the high tide GDC yeah, 20, in
1: 2018, which nothing bad happened And that. I just didn't really like how much I was drinking on a work trip around peers. Not that sure. I felt like I was out of control or anything. I was just like, Hmm. I am drinking a lot on this trip, so I tried about a sobriety then. Because uh, a lot of a lot of
0: those nights were like Tuesday onward. It was it was a lot of us and like ex game and former interns, mm. either like going back to High Tide or maybe just in like around it. Yeah, uh, hanging out with like Alyssa and whatnot mm. and. Uh, it, it, you didn't you didn't strike me as terribly yeah. monstrous in those <laughs> moments if any if anything you were like at least because you knew the area and you knew the the bar and the the owners and whatnot you seemed like you were in control but I suppose I suppose it's enough to say like these are people I respect on some mm. level and I don't want to be seen like this right yeah now.
1: it can be a slippery slope you know it can be yeah one night we go out and it's fine and then the next night who knows I have one drink too many you know and I black out and i on someone's dog. I don't know. Uh, That's (laughs) never happened before, by the way. I don't know why that was my example. Uh, But I tried, like, a brief bout of sobriety just, like, by myself. Uh, No AA, no program, no nothing after that. And lasted, like, two weeks or so before I went back to drinking, which now I guess I would call a relapse. Um, And then basically stayed on the wagon until October 2018 when I went to San Francisco, the (laughs) – source of and cause of most of my drinking problems and went on just the most insane bender where I thought my body was literally going to shut down on me. I was drinking like 14 hours a day, like waking up at like 10, a. Was this,
0: it, was this the trip I saw you Yes. At? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay.
1: A little later into that week, I spent about three days drinking like 14 hours a day or so, like waking up at like 10, being at a bar by 11, not eating anything and drinking until like the bars shut down. And that's mm-hmm. when I made the decision to go to rehab because it was just unmanageable. It was insane. Um <clears throat> and then it took me until February to actually get into rehab. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, no, I I, I I feel you very much on that point. Like I I'm I'm seeking out therapy mm-hmm. for the first time in my life for a, a multitude of reasons mm-hmm. and it's a bitch to get in there. Yeah. Well, no, uh, no, 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 no.
1: Uh, it's, it was very easy for me to get into rehab. I just did it. But like,
0: <laughs> just didn't go. Yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, you know, and, and now that you kind of like, you, you lay it out mm. like that, you know, I, uh, I, I did notice while like hanging out with you for that hour. So yeah. like nothing, nothing like tragically wrong, but I was like, his energy seems a little low uh-huh. and he seems like his mind is a little elsewhere. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I hate that. Like, I you know, if I if I didn't ask, like, you know, hey, are you okay? Enough. Uh, you know, no, it's I so hate. Cool. Don't
1: worry about that. I would have lied anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> tell me, tell me about rehab then, mm. and like the because I think for a lot of people, I there is a little history of alcoholism in my family, mm. not my immediate family anyway, but uh, around the edges here, mm. and I've I've had friends who are alcoholic and those who have, like, gotten on a better path, it seems like the biggest hurdle has always been just th- that reorientation of your life. Mm-hmm. Like, like you having a schedule where, like, it's 8 a.m., I need to get up and make my bed. Yeah. Like, that's actually such an important step kind of thing. Tell Like, what was that like?
1: Uh, rehab is, like, fucking addict boarding school. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's fucking nuts, dude. Um, so... I mean, and I can't speak to every rehab facility. I wouldn't know what they're like. I've only sure. been to one. Um, it was basically wake up at a 7 a.m. every morning. When I got out, I was like, I'm going to sleep till 8 a.m. Um, and on the weekends, I'll let myself sleep till 9. But wake up at 7 a.m., make your bed, eat breakfast, and then go to class. And you're in class until like 5.30 with lunch and dinner somewhere in there. Um, where you're learning, you know. You're doing everything from meditation and yoga to music therapy to serious, like, very, you know, super, like, I don't want to say serious because those things are serious. But, like, day-to-day applicable things like relapse prevention and learning mm-hmm. about the 12 steps and for if you're into AA or smart recovery, which is a AA alternative or refuge recovery. Um, you go to AA meetings every day. People come in every day from different groups and lead AA. Um, and you can go to outside meetings. I mean, it very much is like school. You have a bedtime, you have a lights out, <laughs> you have, you know, there's a cafeteria where you get your food. There are very rigid rules. Um, you drink so much coffee and smoke so many cigarettes. Uh, cause there ain't fuck all to do in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so honestly, it's just like school. I remember it. Cause, cause Addicts have no structure like my life had no structure Mm -hmm. I did because for one I'm a freelancer so I can theoretically do whatever the fuck I want at all times Um, Mm -hmm. but also I'm an addict and when I was in active addiction I was doing fucking nothing with my life um, except working and drinking so it was like the first time my life had had active structure since high school even when I was in college. I could fuck around so much. I never went to class. I didn't even finish college because um, I was drinking so much. Um, it was the first time my life actually had structure for a long time, and it like completely changed who I was as a person, the using aside. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and some people get it. Some people don't. Some people jump the fence and do things I'm probably not allowed to talk about because of confidentiality agreements, but – if you, uh, I just was like, I'm here for a month. I might as well apply myself and go back to school, kind of. It was, <laughs> it was the first thing of it I've graduated since high school.
0: <laughs> get that, get that diploma. Yeah, yeah. I
1: do have a certification. It's on my desk. Well, it doesn't matter. No, one, no one's gonna be. Okay. Able,
0: no listener's gonna <laughs> see it. It's I okay. did
1: get a piece of paper saying I finished the program though, so it's my addict's diploma.
0: Well, regardless, you know, I'm really proud of you, you. like as a friend and as as a as a peer in games journalism, and I I think you raise a really good point about structure and a a hard schedule, Mm -hmm. and I think whether we're talking about like cancer or alcoholism or really any disease that any serious disease, one of the biggest setbacks it brings someone is mm-hmm. it messes with their structure yeah. and it messes with their schedule and it messes with uh the things that they just got up and did on muscle memory right and i i haven't been able to go for a jog in over a year mm. you know and i miss that so much yeah. i i just physically can't because my leg would buckle mm-hmm. uh, i can bike and i can lift weights although not nearly as well as i used to and I can swim. I, I and I've really enjoyed swimming at a local pool. But for a while there, I, I felt like something had been like robbed mm-hmm. of me. You know. Yeah. And is it did it feel the same way for you?
1: It is really easy to feel that way now. You know, like yeah. I, the, the hair is a weird example to use here because I never liked my hair. I was just too lazy to cut it off. Um, hmm. I did like my beard. I thought I had a good beard. But when really I man. no longer had the authority over my hair, when I because I ran my ha- my hands through my hair a lot, when I ran it through and pulled out a chunk of my hair, and was like, I'm no longer in control of this. I that's when I was like, well, one, it's it, I was explaining to, this to someone today. It's like when I look in the mirror, I can now see because I try not to like be defined by cancer, you know. I'm happy to talk about it. Like, I don't mean it that way, but like, it's not something on my mind a lot. Um, But today I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, my head is shaved. My beard is in patches because it's falling out. I need to cut it off because this is weird looking. Um, I now have a visual representation that I'm sick, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And that can be a bummer. Like, I was pretty down today. Cause I was like, oh, this, I have no like authority over my body right now. Like something else is in control of my physical appearance, you know, and my Mm -hmm. bad bags under my eyes that are darkening and everything. So it it does feel like in a way things are being stolen from me, but also like I'm still the one that gets myself up in the morning and especially today, Saturday, I could do whatever I wanted to do. I was like, I'm going to go to a bookstore and look at comics I have no intention of buying. And what does the kids' section of a bookstore look like? I'm 25. I shouldn't <laughs> go over there. But I'm going to see if they still sell a series of unfortunate events. So it's like small. They, they absolutely Oh, They do, had a box me. set for like $200. I wanted it so bad, but I didn't buy yeah. it. Um, and I almost bought Harry Potter for some reason. But Anyway, um, so it's like, yeah, it is taking things from me quite literally. Mm-hmm. um or at least things in my life are falling out of my face um but i i i'm at least sober and <laughs> in control of my thoughts. you've gained but, a lot yeah
0: you 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 have you've gained a new Side of yourself that even though you know, i yeah. it's it, it, it's hard for me to say. Like, would I recognize you on the street? <laughs> that that sure. that that might be a hard bet. You know, uh, I, I might not. Actually, I didn't recognize Leif Johnson <laughs> when he shaved his damn beard yeah. and he was apparently standing right in front of me, waving his <laughs> arms in the uh, Metreon food court. And I like ask him yourself, I. Like, Slackjaw was like, You were standing in front of me? (laughs) Uh, Oh my God.
1: Yeah. But, uh. Well, I bring up the bookstore meta, or not metaphor, the thing, because it's like, I am still, I have to remind myself I am in control of what I want to do. Yeah, something like my beard, which I have had since I was, like, in high school, is now gone. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm still in control of my day. And if I want to do something as tiny as go look at, at manga books, I would never read. Like, that's still my choice to make. I just am doing it and my face is slightly colder now, you know, like, it's, it's easy for me to dwell on those things. But the one thing I do have control of right now are my own thoughts because I'm in active recovery, which is great. I just if I remind myself of those things, it's a lot easier for me to not be like. I don't know. Woe is me, which I guess I could easily get away with being like, "Woe is me," and, you
0: know. But. And you know, you're you're not a woe is me kind of guy. You've yeah. never struck me as like a, a woe is me kind of person. Maybe I, I don't think I'm wrong on that, but uh, I'm I'm really proud of you in the sense that Thank you know, you. you're 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 never looking at this as yes, things are getting taken away from you, but you're also gaining a different side of yourself. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm very excited to like, you know, next time I see you in person, you know, just kind of see, it, it's easy for ourselves to like, forget what our mannerisms look like to other people. Mm. And I'm I'm excited to see, you know, what you, how you kind of carry yourself uh, differently now that you've, you know, a- adapted a different kind of structure in your life. Yeah. And I suppose the only like real question left is, in an industry like ours, where we're asked to give a lot of ourselves, mm. a lot of our time, a lot of our money, a lot of our energy, for a lot of, for, for not a lot in return, mm-hmm. right? How do we cope when like the one thing we might be able to control like uh, uh, a schedule or, or just a, a, a way of living we're used to? I suppose the question is how, how do we effectively move on from an illness in a creative role that we inhabit, you mm. know?
1: Well, in a creative role. Do, what, what do you mean by in a creative role?
0: Just like obviously we have to talk to really interesting people and we have to tell a story that will engage readers and meet some sort of creative bar that one, our editors have set for Mm. us, but we've also set for ourselves. One of the, one of the, the biggest things I want to go to therapy for these days is because I've felt really creatively drained partially because of just having to contend with my body being, having chronic pain and not being able to like mentally be in the same, be in the place I was when I felt like I was probably most successful. And I'm thinking, like, what are the ways that I can move forward? I'm never going to get rid of my illness. Mm. And cancer is something that, like, you can technically get rid of, but it's it's going to be a presence in your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so,
1: like, and how to move forward creatively despite life giving you a shitty hand?
0: Now you're, well, I wouldn't say shitty, but, like, <laughs> yeah. now you're the podcast okay. <laughs> host. So thank you for that. <laughs> no, I,
1: just, I just <laughs> want to make sure I understood your question.
0: I am uh, terrible at this part of the job. If you can't tell, <laughs> no, don't so. worry about it.
1: Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna use a line from AA here or the Big Book. Shout out to Bill Wilson who wrote the Alcoholics Anonymous book. Um, I already know, without a shadow of a doubt, Thursday, April, 11th is going to be. I had to pull up <laughs> my calendar. Uh, is going to be terrible. It's going to mm-hmm. suck. I'm gonna be sick. I probably will not be able to eat without getting sick. I'll be a. I won't be able to like walk or drive on my own. I know that, but that's mm-hmm. today's Saturday. So that's what five days away. Mm-hmm. I know Monday I'm gonna be well enough to work. So those are and I'm gonna enjoy work. Those are two like very opposite feel or uh, things. Mm-hmm that I have in my future one that's going to be good because I love working one that's going to be terrible because I'm literally being injected with things that that kill the cells in your body (laughs) you know and make (laughs) you feel like you're dying because a lot of you is literally dying um and I'm not going to worry about that because it's Saturday so in Alcoholics Anonymous which is the program I'm in now um But, I mean, I guess I'm not in it. I participate in it. Um, They Mm. teach you one day at a time. And in rehab, um, one of the teachers there said something that stuck with me really, really hard. Um, They said, I don't know if I'm going to use tomorrow. I might. I might relapse tomorrow. I have a pretty good idea I'm not going to relapse today because I'm only worried Mm -hmm. about today. Mm -hmm. So it's Saturday, and I had this podcast to look forward to which even though you know it is your podcast, you're the host, you create the direction of it, it is still artistic expression for me. So sure. I'm thinking about yeah. this is something I'm putting out into the world. Um, and Thursday is going to suck, but that's Thursday, so I'm not worried about that. So even when things do suck and it feels like things are being taken from me, there's still something I can do every day, even on the bad days, especially on the good days, that will actively bring me forward in my artistic endeavors or my creative endeavors or my professional endeavors. I often separate my creative side from my professional side. Um, but even on the worst days, there are tiny things, even if it's just answering one email, (laughs) you know, that will push me forward. Or if it's like sending one pitch or writing one sentence, I think I'm answering your question. Um, you are. That's, you are. That's kind of how I look at it. I'm not worried about tomorrow anymore. I'm not worried about next week or the month from now. I'm just making sure on Saturday I fucking do what I need to do, do what I want to do, and God willing, I don't drink because <laughs> I just need to get through today. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of it for me. I, was... I think
0: I was watching. A, I think I was watching a video. Uh, what's the the Graham Norton show? Mm. Uh, on BBC, and it's you know popular on YouTube and whatnot. And I forget what actress he had on a a well known one. And he asks her some about like you know how how do you get by you know through hard times? And she said, my mom told me you know if it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter today, kind of thing like that. And you know, at in the moment, I was kind of like, well, that kind of sounds like 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 uh. Barnes and Noble bargain bin book uh, (laughs) philosophy, but but hearing you kind of express it that way through a lens that like I can understand, Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. And and I think that you know I've told you before, and I know it it stuck with you for a little while. We were we were outside high tide, I think that first night, and I was like, yeah, you're you're (laughs) without a doubt one of, if not the writer. I think I. When I grow up, I want to be most like you kind of, kind of oh, shit like man. that. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> I'm going to blush, you
0: know, at, at times, at times, maybe that was just because like, like, damn, he had a really good angle on that story or like, wow, what a cool topic or like he got to interview that person or something like that. And I think as I get to know you more and more, it's because I recognize that there is a strength inside you and a chillness <laughs> inside you that, that really comes through as a person and even though you know it's tough to meet your peers Mm. in this kind of industry and not have some kind of some kind of negativity (laughs) around it like oh this person isn't exactly who i thought they were or oh this person isn't as nice as i had hoped they were or like oh this person barely made any time for me i don't think you've ever i don't think you've ever done anything like that you've always been an exemplary kind of person and i think that strength shines through in a lot of ways well we'll wrap it up there folks and blake i want to thank you for being so open with me and you know being able to put yourself out there like this it's even even for someone you know with a lot of chill it can't be an easy thing (laughs) and uh tell where can people hear more about your story and the things that are on your mind
1: uh well, you can follow me on Twitter at Metallica is Rad, where I never tweet at all. I do retweet occasionally. Uh, you can see my work on, I collect—I I would say um, on Polygon, but there's a lot of other writers there. If you want to find my work specifically, you can go to Blake Hester, H-E-S-T-E-R, dot rocks, because even, I, I can't take anything in my life seriously, even my professional <laughs> portfolio, so it's Blake Hester Rocks. And you can listen to my podcast, which is not very is not thoughtful and well produced and beautiful like Joseph's here, uh, which is
0: but it's really fucking it's
1: a game query. The dirtiest fucking podcast in the game industry where you can hear where I have worked out a way, Joe, believe this or not, I have found a way to use our Patreon and finagle it to where I technically get paid to watch e-fucked videos. So if you want to hear light conversations about video games and graphic depictions of e-fucked videos, check us out on Game Query. Our 420 special is coming out on April 15th. I'm really excited. Oh, wait. We're also doing a charity stream on May 4th. Go to Game underscore Query on Twitter to find more information.
0: Well, there you go. Putting putting all kinds of good out into the world. (laughs) Hey,
1: hey, Game Query is putting nothing but vile, awful shit out into the world. Okay, that that is actively keeping me unemployed for as long as possible. That fucking
0: dirty show.
1: If you want to hear me not be thoughtful or eloquent, listen to that
0: podcast all right folks uh every monday you can find a new episode of the 1099 here on soundcloud spotify itunes and whatnot and next week we're going to have the creative director at outer loop games talking about falcon age colonialism and sri lanka so that'll be a hell of an episode i think and uh yeah so thank you so much for tuning in folks and take care of yourself out there